Chapter Three of the Diamond Cross Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James O'Connor. The Diamond Cross Mystery by Chester K. Steele. Chapter Three The Fisherman. From a little green book, which, from the evidence of its worn covers, seemed to have been much read, the tall, military-appearing occupant of a middle seat in the parlor car of the express to Colchester scanned again this passage. And if you rove for perch with a minnow, then it is best to be alive you sticking your hook through his back fin, or a minnow with the hook in his upper lip, and letting him swim up and down about mid-water, or a little lower, and you still keeping him about that depth with a cork, which ought to be a very little one, and the way you are to fish for perch with a small frog. Aha! It was a long-drawn exclamation of anticipatory delight, and into the eyes of the military-looking traveler there appeared a soft and gentle light, as though in fancy he could look off across sunlit meadows to a stream sparkling beneath a blue sky, white studded with fleecy clouds, where there was a soft carpet of green grass shaded by a noble oak under which he might lounge and listen to the wind rustling the newly born leaves aha beg pardon sir but i what the military appearing man sat up with a jerk into sudden stiffness while the soft light died out of his eyes new york papers don't want the new york papers any of them the man, after a swift glance from his green-covered book, again let his eyes seek its pages. The ghost of a smile flickered around his lips. Chicago, then, the latest? Your hook being fastened through the skin of his leg toward the upper part of it, and lastly I will give you... Something livelier in the way of reading, sir, if you wish it, broke in the voice of the newsboy who had stopped beside the parlor car chair of the military-looking traveler, interrupting the reading of the little green-covered book. I have a new detective story. Look here. If you interrupt me again when I'm reading my Isaac Walton, I'll have you put off the train. Gad, I will, sir, if I have to do it myself. The military-appearing traveler snapped the green book against the palm of one hand, with a report like that of a pistol, thereby causing an old lady asleep in a chair across the aisle to awaken with a start. Are we in? Have we arrived? Is this Colchester? she asked, sitting up and looking about in startled surprise, her bonnet very much askew. The newsboy, with an abashed air, slid down the aisle. Madam, I sincerely beg your pardon, said the tall man who had caused the commotion. He arose, his green book in one hand, 
and bowed his apologies. I regret exceedingly that I startled you, but that insufferable young puppy had the extreme audacity to inflict himself on me when I was reading, and I lost my temper. I am sorry, but I... You didn't strike him, did you? asked the old lady reproachfully. No, madam, though such conduct would have been justified on my part. I merely spoke to him. It was this, this book that I used rather roughly, and which awakened you. Then aren't we at Colchester yet? No, madam, it is some little ride yet. If you will allow me, I shall be happy to let you know when we arrived. And you are without any one to help you off with your luggage, as it is raining and likely to continue. Oh, thank you, sir, but Jabez will meet me. I must have dozed off and when I heard that noise, which I regret exceedingly, madam, interposed the military-appearing traveller with another bow. The old lady again composed herself. The tall man bowed again, resumed his seat, and tried to read, but his feelings had been too much ruffled. It was evident to allow a peaceful resumption of his former mood. The idea, the very idea, he murmured, speaking to the window against the glass of which the raindrops were now dashing impotently, and as though angry at not being admitted to the warmth and light of the car. For dusk had fallen, and the electric lights were aglow in the Pullman, making it a very cosy place, in contrast to the damp and muddy country through which the train was rushing. Gad, what's the world coming to when a man can't read what he likes without every whippersnapper interrupting him with, Shag? I say, Shag, raising his voice from a murmured whisper to a louder command. Porter, send my man here. Where's that rascal Shag? Yes, sir, Colonel, I'm right here. Yeah, I is, Colonel. And a negro with a picturesque fringe of white kinky hair shuffled from the porter's quarters, where he had been enjoying a quiet chat with the black knight of the whisk-room. What is your desire, Colonel? I want peace and quiet, Shag. That's what I want. Twice I've tried to read my book undisturbed, and that insufferable train-boy, that rascal who probably doesn't know an ant-fly from a piece of cheese, has bothered me with books and papers. He ought to know I vowed not to look at a paper for two weeks, and as for books. Colonel Robert Lee Ashley closed his volume, which bore in gold letters on the front green cover the words, Walton's Complete Angler, and laughed silently, the wrinkles of his face and around his steel-blue eyes sending the frown scurrying from some unseen trench. Shag asked the colonel, still chuckling, what do you think that nincompoop had the infernal audacity to offer me in the way of a book? I ain't got no idea, Colonel, not the leastest in the world. He offered me a detective story, Shag. Oh, my good Lord, Colonel, not really? Yes, he did, Shag, a detective story. Oh, my good Lord. Shag, which was all Colonel Ashley ever called his servant, though the colored valet rejoiced in the prefixes of George Washington, threw up his hands in horror and shook his head. The colonel, after a period of silent chuckling mirth, opened his book again and read. 
and after this manner you may catch a trout in a hot evening when as you walk by a brook and shall hear or see him leap at flies then if you get a grasshopper yeah that's the life softly voiced the colonel then turning to the still waiting shag he went on there's nobody in the wide world who can bring peace and quiet to an angry mind like my friend isaac walton is there shag no sir colonel they isn't nobody of course not gad i'm glad you agree with me shag yes sir colonel um here you go and give that newsboy a quarter tell him i didn't mean anything but never again must he interrupt me when he sees me with walton in my hand anything but that it's positively indecent yes sir colonel i done tell him that and it it's sacrilegious shag yes sir colonel tis that well tell him so and give him a half dollar now don't disturb me again until we get to colchester how's the weather shag well sir colonel it's it's sort of moist colonel mm, well it'll be better by to-morrow i expect when we go fishing and be careful of my rods when you take the grips off if you so much as scratch the tip of even my oldest one i i'll well you know what i'll do to you shag yes sir i knows colonel very well give that boy a dollar maybe he never read walton and that's why he's so ignorant colonel ashley settled back in his chair and with unfurrowed brow read on you shall see or hear him leap at flies then if you get a grasshopper put it on your hook with your line about two yards long standing behind a bush or tree where his hole is once more the colonel was happy shag sought out the discomfited newsboy and chuckling as had his master handed the lad a dollar say what's this for questioned the lad in astonishment colonel dunn say to give it to you for hurtin yo feelins he did great say does he want a book a paper say i got a swell detective story the boy started out of the compartment oh my good lord for the love of honey cakes don't gasped shag grabbing him just in time does you know who the colonel is no but he's mighty white if he wants to buy a dollar's worth of books and papers i haven't sold much on this trip but if he but he don't want to boy don't you understand just listen to me right now de colonel don't want nothing but walton and his angle worms who's walton what roads he travel on he don't travel he's dade i reckon but he done writ a book on fishing poles and dat's all the colonel reads when he ain't workin much it's a book bout angle worms as near as i can make out you mean isaac walton's complete angler i guess said a man who passed by just then on his way to the smoking compartment and he smiled genially at shag dat's it yes sir i knowed it had suffin to do with angle worms well boy dat book's all de colonel ever reads when he's vacationin and dat's what he's doin now just vacationin when we start away dis mornin he say to me the colonel did now shag i don't want to be bothered with nothin i don't want to read no papers and i don't want to hear about no battles murder and sudden deaths i just wants peace and quiet and fish 
he done come up here to go fishing like he go to lots other places though he ain't been here for good many years and boy he specially tell me not to let him be boarded with book agents i ain't a book agent objected the train boy i knows you ain't admitted shag i knows you ain't but you sells books and that's what's de trouble what kind of a book did you offer to colonel just now a detective story and say it's a swell one let me tell you oh my good lord ejaculated shag dat's de worstest ever and he doubled up with silent mirth why what's the matter with that asked the boy i've seen heaps of men read detective stories judge dolan he rides on my train a lot and he's always asking what i got new in detective stuff um yep well dat may be all right for judge dolan went on shag slowly recovering from his fit of chuckling but my master don't want none of dat kind of readin why asked the boy shag's answer was given in a peculiar manner he looked around carefully and saw that the strange man had moved on and they were alone then leaning toward the newsboy and whispering the negro said my master colonel brintnow dat ain't his real name but it's de one he goes by sometimes he don't care for no detective stories cause he done make his livin and mine too at detectin he says he don't ever want to read em cause dey ain't at all like what happens de colonel was one of de biggest private detectives in de united states boy he's sort of retired now but still he's chock full of crimes murder and stuff like dat and that's why he done sent you away sort of rough like you say he's a private detective asked the boy his eyes opening wide that's what he is and his name is colonel brintnow well honey that ain't his real name he don't like to use dat promiscuous like cause so many folks bother him if i was to tell yo his real name yo'd open yo eyes wider yet but take it from me went on shag he don't need no books to make excitin readin for him he's been through it for yas sufferin tadpoles murmured the boy and to think i was offering him a detective yarn say no wonder he flew at me he didn't mean nothin said shag still chuckling as he thought of the scene it's just his way a train rumbled on through the early night and in his comfortable chair colonel ashley read his walton the ingratiating humor of the dear old fisherman gradually dispelling all other thoughts colonel ashley at this stage of his career was almost an international figure having served with distinction in the spanish-american war among his exploits being the capture of a number of spies in a sensational manner he had become the head of the police department in a large city in the east he had continued the work begun in the army a branch of the secret service and had built up the city's detective department in an almost marvelous manner he himself being one of its keenest sleuths desiring more time to devote to the detection of crimes of other than ordinary interest and realizing that the routine of police work was too hampering for him the colonel had opened an office in new york where straightway he received from the government and private persons more work than he could well attend to 
now that he was getting old he had some able assistance but most cases still received his own attention at some stage of their development this was characteristic of the colonel he was always going to retire in fact he said he had but somehow or other it was like a singer's farewell always postponed now shag don't forget what i told you he said to his attendant as the train drew into colchester don't you so much as scratch the varnish on the tip of one of my rods and if you let me hear a whisper of anything bordering on a case you and i part company do you hear i hears yo colonel and the negro saluted for the detective still clung to many of his military associations then having kept his promise and seeing that the old lady was safely helped from the train colonel ashley followed his valet burdened with bags and rods the fishing rods shag carried he must have managed to transport safely to the hotel the colonel was to occupy for a two weeks vacation and rest for the military detective was smiling and good-natured when he took them from their cases and gently placed them on the bed anything else colonel asked shag when he had laid out his master's clothes and was preparing to go to his own apartment in an annex to the hotel no i guess that's all shag but what's your hurry you aren't usually in such haste to leave me even if you have laid out all my duds what's the matter got some friends in town oh no sir colonel no indeedy tain't dat at all well what is it why are you in such haste to get away mm, uh, well i don't likes fo to tell you colonel and shag seemed uneasy you don't like to tell me look here you black rascal don't try to hide anything from me do you hear you know me and oh indeedy i does know you colonel that's just why i don't want to tell you it it's bout one of dim tings what things shag you rascal look here have you been buying a newspaper yeah yeah yes sir colonel i has but i done bought it for myself deed i wasn't going to let you have so much as a sniffed at it colonel de train boy what you gib a dollar to he handed it to me when i was gettin off it's one of de papers gotten out right yah in dis city in. Well, out with it, Shag. What's in it that's so mighty interesting? Er, Colonel, yo see yo done told me. Oh, out with it, Shag. I'll forgive you, I suppose. What is it? Well, Colonel, sah, de paper done got in it an account of a strange and mysterious murder case, and I knew it. I knew it. I could almost have taken my oath on it, cried the excitable colonel. Here I come to this place to have some quiet fishing in the suburbs, to get a complete rest, and yet not be too far from civilization, and no sooner do I get off the train than there's a murder mystery thrust right under my nose. Right under my nose. By gad, I knew it. Shag stood resting his weight first on one foot and then on the other, his head bowed, he was trying to keep from slipping from under his vest where he had hidden it a newspaper with glaring black headlines shag looked timidly at his master colonel ashley paced up and down the room pausing now and then to listen to the dash of rain against the windows for the storm bearing out its promise of the morning had lasted all day 
changing from a drizzle to a downpour and from a downpour to a drizzle with dismal repetition the colonel glanced at shag and then drawing from an inner pocket the little green book read hunting is a game for princes and noble persons it hath been highly prized in all ages it was one of the qualifications the detective snapped the book shut and tossed it on the bed shag he exploded yes sir colonel you've often heard me talk of fishing and hunting haven't you deed and i has colonel many a time yes sir humph yes well detective work is a sort of hunt isn't it shag yes sir colonel that's just what it is many and many a time i sees done hear you say you's goin out to hunt dis man or dat woman very good shag and it's a sort of fishing too isn't it yes sir colonel more's once i see hear you say as how you had to fish and fish and fish to get a bit of a clue i see you remember shag well now you black rascal did you say you've got a newspaper with an account in it of a strange and mysterious murder right here in this city yes sir colonel right yeah in colchester where we done come to have puff of rest and quiet and fishin just like you done said on de train Humph! a murder mystery right here in town i thought i heard the newsboys shouting something about it at the station but i didn't listen who's killed shag why colonel sir it's a poor old lady and stop shag not another word how dare you try to get me interested in the case when i told you if you so much as breathed anything about one i'd horsewhip you i told you that didn't i deed and you did colonel the detective paced up and down the room he reached for the little green book then as if in desperation he turned to the shrinking negro and went on you say there's a mystery about it shag yes sir colonel yes sir and he made a motion toward the paper that was slipping from under his vest stop it cried the colonel i came here to fish and read isaac walton in the shade of a big tree along some quiet brook if you so much as bring a paper into this room i'll send you back to virginia where you belong shag yes sir colonel the military-looking detective resumed his pacing of the room his hands behind his back clasping and unclasping nervously shag he suddenly called yes sir colonel is it much of a mystery i mean er anything but the usual blood and thunder stuff why colonel began the black man eagerly it's de beatin'est mystery that ever was all about a murdered jewelry lady what's got her haid busted in with a big gold statue and a gold knife stab in her side and a watch shut up tight in her hand tickin and tickin and tickin like it was her heart beatin and her cousin done find her in a pool of blood on de floor and de clock's all stopped and a rich young spinthrift comes in and claims de dagger and de detectives shag fairly shouted his master yes sir colonel out of the room this instant and don't you dare come back until i send for you yes sir colonel the old colored man turned slowly to the door his manner was dejected evidently he had given serious offence silently he turned the knob but before he had stepped over the threshold he heard a voice calling softly shag yes sir colonel 
eh shag before you go you er you might leave me that paper i see under your vest i may have occasion to to glance at it to see what to-morrow's weather is going to be for fishing yes sir colonel and with a carefully concealed grin on his face shag drew the black-lettered paper from under his waistcoat and laid it on the bed beside the complete angler End of chapter 3 Recording by James O'Connor Randolph, Massachusetts May 2011